Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Hey, Christ South, it's so good to be here with you. Before I get into the message, I want to, um, I want to invite you to a conversation. A little over a year ago, we bought this land here at Christ South with always the intention of building something here. Well, Pastor Matt and I have been working with the um, Old Dairy Farm Board as well as the Church Council, and we've got some plans we want to share. So take a look at the screen here. We're going to have two town meetings to talk about all the great plans that we have here, about permitting and about uh, the design and about the usage, even about sewer. Yes, we're going to hit it all. That's going to be this coming Wednesday, the 24th, or the Tuesday, July 7th, 7 p.m. on Zoom. And we'll have that link here on our website. So I hope you can join us because we need to figure this out and be on the same page. All right? Good. Glad to have you. Hey, the text we're going to work on today is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. So he divided the property between them. Soon afterwards, the younger son got all that he had and went off to a distant country and there squandered his wealth on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the land and he was hungry. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen in that country, out to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's servants have food to spare, and I'm sitting here starving? I'll go back and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. And as he walked home, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, ran out to his son, threw his arm around him, and kissed him. And the father said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quickly! Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, and we're going to have a feast and celebrate. For my son, who was lost, is now found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son, who was in the field, when he came near the house, heard music and dancing, and he called another servant and said, What's going on? The servant said, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf to celebrate. The older son became angry, refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, after all these years I've been with you and you haven't even given me a young goat to celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property You kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. 
and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Here ends the reading. Know your audience. That is like the cardinal rule of any public speaker. Know your audience. I suspect this past week that's been very important for churches and groups around the country as we've been struggling with some of these racial issues. You've got to figure out who are you speaking to? <laughs> Is your group more conservative or liberal? Are they black or white or brown or Asian? Are they wealthy business owners or are they factory workers and service industry? It's really important because I think that the message these past two weeks at, say, Friendship Baptist Church were very different from Christ Lutheran, as it should be. So who's the audience? This was very important to Jesus as he began teaching here. And the very first verse here talks about who his audience was. Let me, let me read that to you. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to listen to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So up to this point, Jesus has been talking to those tax collectors and sinners. He's been talking about the kingdom of God, that it is huge, that there's room at the table, that the sins are forgiven, that you are welcome. It's all good news, right? If you're a tax collector and a sinner. But those grumbling Pharisees and scribes didn't like welcoming those people to the same table. This is the audience. This is the audience to whom Jesus is speaking. And he tells them three stories, all about being lost. The first one, the lost sheep. The shepherd leaves 99 perfectly healthy and obedient sheep to go find the one that is lost. Seems like a crazy thing to do, right? Now, how do sheep get lost? They're not like mountain lions that have a long range and like to be by themselves. These are defenseless herd animals. How does a sheep get lost? They wake up in the morning and say, today I'm going to strike out on my own. Today I'm going to make it on my own. Today I'm going to rebel against everything. No. They nibble here and they nibble there and suddenly they look up and they say, where is everybody? Where'd they go? The sheep wanders away, as people do as well. Oh, one weekend, uh, we've got a soccer tournament out of town, and they miss a week. And next weekend, we have to go to Ohio and, and see, see mom up there. Next week, we've got a, a week at, at the beach at a condo, and the next week, there's a home project. The next week, we've got work. And suddenly, they look up, and it's been four months. They haven't been to church. They've wandered away. Though the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. 
And when he finds it, brings it home, and there's a celebration. Second story. A woman has nine coins. She loses one, and she does what you and I would. We, we search around. We, we look underneath the sofa. We check between the cushions we, until finally she finds it. Now let me ask you, how does, a, <clears throat> how does a coin get lost? It's not like by keys where gremlins come and take it and hide them. No, how does a coin get lost? A coin gets misplaced. So do people. It may be that um, you weren't raised in a home where faith was a priority. And maybe you got an illness and had to be away for a while, no fault of your own. Maybe you moved to a new city and were just disconnected for a while. You didn't storm off. You didn't wander away. You just were misplaced. But the woman searches the whole hollow home, and when she finds that one coin, <clears throat> she brings it back, and there's a celebration. So remember the audience. Jesus is talking to Pharisees and scribes. These are the insiders. <clears throat> and he's saying that people get lost. It doesn't matter how they get lost. Some wander away. Some, some are misplaced. Some storm off angrily. doesn't matter how. But the lost are, they're lost. Someone needs to go after them to bring them back home. And when they do, there's a party. So, now... Remember the audience. Now we get to the story of today, the prodigal son. So the younger son goes to dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Now let me ask you, when do people typically get their inheritance? When the old man dies, right? So this young son is really telling his dad, I wish you were dead. Now, Instead of scolding the boy, instead of berating the boy, the dad does the most generous thing. He, he errs on the side of grace. He gives the kid his share of the inheritance. And as the dad could have predicted, in a very short period of time, this young kid blows everything on wine, women, and song. It's gone. So now he's in a foreign country. Nobody's around that he knows. He's broke. He's got to look for work. And the only job available is to serve pigs. Now, North Carolina is like the second leading state in the country. First leading state? It's the second leading, first or second leading state in the country for hog production. There is no shame in feeding hogs unless you are a Jewish kid and pigs are ceremonially unclean. You can't touch a pig. You can't eat a pig. You can't hang out with people who are around pigs. And here's this young kid becoming a servant to pigs. You can imagine that. 
would you care for some more slop, Mr. Boar? Could, could I fill up your trough, Miss Sow? He, there is nothing lower. There's nothing rockier. There's nothing beyond this pit that this boy can fall. He has hit rock bottom, caring for pigs. Until he has a V8 moment and he realizes, you know, all the, all the people who work for my dad are doing just fine. They eat more than they can possibly eat. I'll go home. I'll hire myself out as a servant. And so he rehearses this speech in his mind. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as a servant. Over and over again as he walks home. We do that, don't we? When we have an important conversation, if we have to talk to somebody, it's going to be uncomfortable. We rehearse it in our mind over and over again, right? Father, I have sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Let me be one of your servants. Over and over again. Until he gets near the homestead. And I think the dad actually sees the boy before the boy sees the dad. And the dad, he could have stood on the porch, feet kind of as stance, arms folded, looking over his reading glasses, tapping his foot, going to let this boy do that humiliating walk all the way up the driveway until he gets to the foot. He could have. But instead, this dad embarrasses himself. He hikes up his robe to his knees. He does a whoop and a holler. He races down the driveway calling his boy's name. When he gets close enough, the boy launches into his speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm no longer. He doesn't even get halfway through it. And he collides with his dad. The dad gives him a hug, gives him this bear hug of an embrace. He stops long enough to, to yell backwards, hey, get, get the clothing, get the best clothing, and go into my closet and get those new pair of shoes. And as they're doing that, he says, here, son, take, take your ring, the family ring. I saved it for you because I knew you were coming home. And then he calls back, that fatted calf. The one we've been saving for a festival, for a special day. Today is the day. Today is the day my son who is lost is now home. And we're going to have a party. Doesn't matter how people are lost. Some wander away. Some are misplaced. Some storm away. Doesn't matter. What matters is that they're found. What matters is somebody goes after them. What matters is that they're welcomed back to the table. It's extravagant, isn't it? It's lavish. Remember the audience. I imagine these Pharisees and scribes are saying, it's also stupid. <laughs> oh, that dad, if he knows better, he better send that kid out to the barn with the servants for a couple of weeks. Make sure that he has learned his lesson. That dad better let that son complete that entire 
apology and make sure he means it. That father better make sure that son pays off his entire inheritance that he squandered. You're darn tootin'. I don't know how that is in Hebrew. Do you know, Matt, darn tootin' in Hebrew? Yep, you did it. That's it. All right, darn tootin', you better. The older son also agrees. The older son, who has been with dad the whole time, working the farm, he comes up and says, What? What? I have been here all this time, and that good-for-nothing son of yours, he returns. And you kill the fatted calf? The one we've been saving? You won't even give me a goat to celebrate with my friends, and you give it all to him? Remember the audience. Jesus now is speaking to the Pharisees and continues with the story. The dad said to the older son, Listen, your brother was lost as now is found. He was dead, but he's now alive. This is a time to celebrate. Let's go to the party together. And then it stops. The story ends there. You can almost see the Pharisees kind of leaning in and saying, So? Did he? Did the older brother go in to the party or not? Tell us, Jesus. And Jesus pauses and says, I don't know. Let me ask you this. Who should have gone after that lost boy? The shepherd went after the sheep because it's his responsibility. The woman looks for the coin. It's her responsibility. Who should have gone after that lost boy? The dad? No, he's too old. One of the servants? No, no, it's not his responsibility. Who should have gone? And the Pharisees know the answer. But in that pause, maybe Jesus said, remember the story of Cain and Abel? Where Cain kills his brother Abel, and then God comes to Cain and says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? Now, God knows what's going on, right? God's giving Cain an opportunity to come clean. Cain, um, where's your brother? And Cain has the first smart aleck remark in the Bible. And he's saying it to the Lord God Almighty. What? Am I my brother's keeper? What? I didn't know it was my day to babysit him. What? He's old enough to take care of himself. Am I my brother's keeper? It's a question that almost answers itself, doesn't it? Yes. As a matter of fact, yes. You are your brother's keeper. When your brother is lost, you are responsible to go after him. When your brother is discriminated against, you are responsible to speak on his behalf. 
when your when your brother is is protesting generations of pain it is your responsibility to stand next to him and when your brother says i can't breathe it's your responsibility to give him breath yes yes you are responsible you are your brother's keeper there's a real powerful picture that came out of the protest for George Floyd, this time all the way over to London, in which they were protesting as well. Can we put that picture up? Sometime during the protest in London, a white guy, an anti-protest or a white supremacist, was actually cornered by some of the protesters and was beaten, knocked to the ground in a fetal position. And this one black guy who was protesting all about George Floyd, he was the one that rescued him, picked him up in his shoulders, and took him to a safe place. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Even when he doesn't look like me, even when he doesn't think like me, even when he, even when I don't approve of his behavior. Yes. Remember your audience. It's the Pharisees who are listening and they, they know the answer and they can barely make eye contact until finally they say, it's just so unfair. The father just welcomes this bum back just like that. He doesn't have to work it off. He doesn't have to have a trial period. <clears throat> it just seems so unfair. But grace is always that way, isn't it? Always unfair. Listen, friends, don't ever be so foolish to stand before the throne of God and shake your fist and stomp your feet and say, God, I want you to be fair with me. I want you to give me exactly, exactly what I deserve, nothing more and nothing less. Don't let any of us be so foolish to demand that. Because if we do, we will be forever lost. And on this Father's Day, let me just add one more thing. It's called Father's Day. It's a good reason. But you and I know there's a difference between a father and a dad. There's a lot of people that can be fathers. Dads are different. So let me speak to the dads out there. If you think about all the things your children honor and are grateful, it's probably not that you put a roof over their head and put food on the table. It's probably not that nice summer vacation or the college education you're providing. It's probably not even your rugged good looks, quick wit and winning smile you passed on to them. What is the one thing that they're truly going to appreciate that's going to change their lives? Let's go back to the story. Of all the things that the father did for this wayward kid, hooping, hollering, running towards him, giving him a ring and clothing and shoes and a fatted calf party, of all the things, I got to think the one thing that changed this boy's life, his attitude, 
the one thing that made him feel loved, accepted, the one thing that made him feel that he was home was the touch, was that embrace, that hug. And now, boy, after what, three months of quarantine, we long for that touch even more than ever before. When I've had a hard day, I just want to come home and feel that embrace. When I've got one more friend who has been diagnosed positive or somebody who has died. When I'm worried about my, my job and my business. A phone call is nice. A casserole is something. A card's okay. A text is nothing. It is that hug. It's that embrace that lets you know that someone loves me. Someone has a place for me and I am home. There's a great picture I want them to put up on the screen. It's one of my favorite ones. It's called First Day in Heaven. I look at this picture here and, and the smile and the glee on her face. I think about my own Heavenly Father and of all the things that God has given me, the gift of this world, the gift of this great nation, <clears throat> a wonderful family, amazing friends, an incredible church, the one thing I'm looking forward to the most is that deep, long, undeserving embrace. I don't have a whole list of questions I'm going to talk to God to one day. I'm not so interested in looking at angels or listening to harp music. I want to embrace. I want to hold him close. I want to know that I am home. I want to know this is a place I belong. Remember the audience, the Pharisees. It doesn't matter how you get lost. You may wander away, you may be misplaced, you may storm off. But somebody goes after them and there's, there's a party afterwards. Church, we are in the business of lost and found. We're not building a country club here. where We put out a sign out front saying, members only. We only really complete our mission when we go out beyond these walls. We are a lost and found organization. And when we do find the lost, you know what? There's a party. We are in the party business. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? So that when, whenever, somebody, whenever somebody is found, the angels have like cases of champagne and tons of confetti. When somebody come, is found, the angels say, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Whoa! Hey, Joe's here. Joe's in the house. Come on over. There's a party. And another one comes over and says, Whoa, stop everybody. Stop everybody. Mary has just been found. Woo! There's another party. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that when you were saved, when you were found, Gabriel stopped everything that was going on in heaven. Stopped it all and said, Whoa, stop everybody. Get ready. In a second there, Scott's going to be walking through the home, this hall and Scott's going to be home. Walked in. I come into the place and the angels say, whoo, Scott's in the house. There's a party. He does the same thing for you too. The question is, 
Does the older son go into the party and celebrate? I don't know. Let me ask you, older brother, older sister. (laughs) Because you're the one. You're the one who has been with us all this time. You're the one who's still watching after three months of quarantine. You're the one who's still giving faithfully to the church. Does the older brother, does the older sister go into the party? I don't know. You tell me. Are you there? Because it's where you belong. When the lost become found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, keep it as our mission at the very forefront that lost people matter to you. And if lost people matter to you, then lost people matter to us. Send us out, O Lord, because we are our brother and sister's keeper. We feel that pain. We stand by their side. We give them breath. And on this day, on Father's Day, as the father wraps his arms around that wayward kid, let us be so bold to do the same. Even in COVID time, I know it's tough, but that gift of touch, that hug, lets people know that they are home. For Jesus' sake. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.